a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. On today's Zero Limits podcast, we are chatting to a former U.S. Uh, police officer, Shane. From Kentucky. From Kentucky. Uh, Louisville. 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 Yeah. yeah, I had this argument uh, probably a f- couple of months ago with someone in the U.S. And you were pronouncing it how? I say Louisville. It's like people Only because it's how you spell it. People go Melbourne. And Brisbane. I did the research. It Toronto. was named after King Louis. Uh, yeah, apparently. Anyway, is, is he French? But actually, I'll show you a YouTube video after this. There's a, actually a YouTube video on how people pronounce it. It's funny. Anyway, we'll I'll have this it. argument. We'll anyway, we'll ask John anyway <laughs> how to say it properly because he's, he's a native. Um, Tell me about, about John. So speaking, uh, we are getting on John Mattingly, Sergeant John Mattingly. He was involved in the uh, – Actively involved in the Brianna Taylor shooting, okay, um, which was an incident that happened in the U.S. Uh, prior to the George Floyd incident, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and Aubrey Ahmad, Aubrey, um, so that you know the big uh, black uh, shootings that happened in the U.S. They were the the big ones: Brianna Taylor, Ahmad, Aubrey, and George Floyd. So they were the biggest shootings in the U.S., which led to that whole. Black Lives Matter movement and just went mm. absolutely crazy. And everything I've listened to and everything I've read so far about John, he was the first guy through the door. He got whacked in the leg. Yeah. Put a couple of rounds down range and one um, one or two, I think one actually what I've read, uh, hit um, uh, Brianna. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, there's just it, – it was just one of those whole controversial shoots. It was It was a good shoot. And when we say good shoot, not because it was a good thing to do, it was no there was no, there was no, no it was, there was no issue with the shoot. It was an actual proper shoot. Yeah. Okay. So um, what they did was you know justified. That was the biggest thing. But let's just I suppose get the man on him on. He's himself. now retired as well. He is now retired. Yeah. I listened to a podcast with him and it's uh, yeah that one that I sent you. Yep. Yeah. It's just pretty, that gave us a quick little yeah, overview cool. of what's going on. And again, this is one of those. 
stories you, that we is, heard about this is all two around the years world after the fact to this day that of of this recording. Yeah, which yeah, is, which is ultra cool. Friday the thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. It happened on a Friday the thirteenth as well. So let's just get John on to tell this full story. Hey, mate, how are you? How you going, John? Doing good, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Fuck no, yeah. mate, exactly. Yeah, I, I reached out to you, and within you know minutes, you got back to me, and. Um, we're super interested on this story because, as as we know, this reached the whole entire world, um, especially during that time, 2020, we were locked down and there were protests, uh, Black Lives Matter, and it was just, just one of those crazy times, especially for the United States. You guys were just riding and it was mental everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, but before we get on to the subject, um, let's start right off from the start, mate. Uh where did you grow up and, um, you know, what led to you joining, you know, becoming a law enforcement officer? All right. Well, man, I grew up in Louisville uh, my entire life. I didn't know anything different until, you know, a couple of years ago when I had to move out. But um, I grew up in the inner city, in the poor area of town. And and so I was exposed to a variety of backgrounds growing up, black, white, poor, you know, it, it didn't matter. You know, I saw the the food stamp or the cheese lines growing up outside the, the gymnasiums in the park, and and so I got I got a very good understanding of what uh, the other side was like from a young age all the way up until I got on the police department. I stayed living in that area for the first three years I was on the police department until I finally had um, enough you know money to be able to to move out of that area. Uh, so, but that I think that really enhanced me and gave me the the ability to relate to those people when I was on the department because you see a lot of guys that that grow up that never even step foot in those types of ends of town and yeah. never see the high crime and the the people of other color and and other backgrounds and then you know they go to college and they're they're in their little fraternities or whatever and they come out and then they're thrown into that when they get on the department and it's like a shell shock to them they're like oh my gosh this really does exist this other world and so having that in my bag of tools, whenever I hit the street, it just made it a little bit easier. But the thing that also though encouraged me to be a cop when I was younger, because I saw all the crap that went on. I saw the abuse of people. I saw the, the people that took advantage of the older people and, or the drug dealers that took advantage of kids, you know, cause they didn't have money. And so they would give them money to go deliver their dope and stuff. And they'd always have the nice Jordans and all that stuff. And that stuff irritated me uh, just as a human being. Mm. So when I got old enough and, uh, I got married early. I got married when I was 19, started having kids. And, oh, nice. And so I didn't get on the police department right away, which is probably a good thing. I didn't get on until I was 27. So that was able to allow me a little more maturity and, you know, wasn't going out there with the ego as, you know, big as the world and thinking I'm going to uh, change things or conquer it. <laughs> so that was my background. So when I was 27, I, I applied and got on the police department here in Louisville. And, you know, I was excited to do it. It's what I always wanted to do. And, and here we are. What, what did you do within that period between getting getting married at 19? Bloody yeah, hell. fuck that. <laughs> I, don't the, I don't know if that's a good it thing or a bad thing. <laughs> so you had nearly like, what, uh, seven, eight years of just, yeah, what did you do? Were you a mechanic or? No, I was a mechanic. No. Help me now. Contract. Uh, I did a variety of things. So my wife and I at the time, we started cleaning business and yep. we did that for about four years until uh, we had our second kid and it was just too much. And so I went and I was a manager at Thornton's, which is a, a, a gas station slash yeah, travel yeah. type thing. And uh, so I did that up until I got on the police department. Holy shit. Uh, I coached some basketball for our, our school. The school I graduated from is a Christian school attached to a church. And uh, so I coached basketball there for a few years and helped young people there and, you know, just filled the void. And I knew it was a void because it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't yeah. what I felt like I was called to do. So 
finally, when I, at 27, I was like, you know what? Put all this stuff aside. I'm just pushing forward and doing it. And, yeah. Uh, it was a good decision. So what do you do? Do you just, um, did you see an ad in the paper or something or you got, on the TV? And you got you just, pulled over and you're like, yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm, you know, growing up in the city, I knew the ins and outs of it. I knew where to, where to apply and where to look for. Yeah. Right. And so I just, I put in for it and it's a civil service job and it was about an eight month process. And, you know, back then there was no, uh, smartphones and all that stuff. So the, the waiting game, you know, you go check your mailbox every day, hoping, hoping you have that letter <laughs> of the next step you had to take. And, and so it was, it was a grueling, long, painful process of, of hoping to get to the next step, but it worked out. What, what year was this? It was 2000 when I started to, oh, to that. Yeah. So there was oh, dial up connection. It was still dial up. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, old school. Yeah. So you uh, obviously get, uh, you do your, I'd say psychometric testing, you do your fitness testing, do your medical mm. uh, testing, you pass all that, then you get your offer to head to the police academy. Um, where is the police academy? How long and how'd you go? Our academy at the time was 20 weeks. It's like 32 now, which is way too long. That's, a, that's, that's, even very 20, long. that's a huge course. Yeah, yeah, even at 20 weeks, by the end of it, they were scrambling, trying to fill the void stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate, you know, being married and having kids, the, uh, the academy the first academy in Louisville that was hosted in Louisville was that year. Uh, they had built a new training facility. Uh, we had a, a track for driving gun range, you know, we had all the stuff. So, and we're the largest department in the state. Uh, at the time, I think we were, our manpower is like 1250. Um, it's decreased now, not because they want it to, but because nobody wants the job anymore. And back then, you know, you'd have two, three, 4,000 people apply for these jobs for 40 positions. And now, man, they're scrambling to get 400 people to apply. I mean, no it's, it's bad. Wow. Okay. That's um, very interesting. Yeah, That's- we'll definitely touch on that. Um, how, did, how did you find the training? Were you, were you a fit guy at this stage? You know, the firearm side of things and just taking on the, I guess there's a lot of um, Being a redneck as well. Style. Yeah. Can I, can I say that? You like, you like that term? No, I, I was joking oh, with that because everybody okay. thinks Kentucky. <laughs> everybody that, that pictures Kentucky, they go, oh, you're marrying your cousin or, oh, you're walking around. <laughs> I'll be honest. There's parts of Kentucky that, that consist of that. But yeah, it's Eastern right. Kentucky over in the mountains and yeah, right, the okay. moonshine and but, the yeah, people well, that you don't want to go on their property or you'll get killed. Uh, <laughs> but that's not Louisville. Louisville's a city. I mean, you said you've been yeah, there. So yeah, you, you see I love it. Like. I love it's, it. Yeah. It's just a normal, you know, inner city that, that has a good time. We have the Derby. It was just last week. And, Oh yeah, um, right. yeah. Was, so it, it's it's got some good stuff going for it. The bats and you know the that's the it. The home of the Louisville the Slugger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the factory's right downtown. Yeah, and uh, we got plenty of bourbon. Uh, we're known for that, and so uh, you know it's just an all American city. We got a huge uh, array of of culinary. You know, a lot of startup culinary things that happen here that are unique. A lot of small bands that come out of Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a good time. Um, you know, 2020 kind of ruined all that and our city got, you know, shut down for over a year uh, with protests. But other than that, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good city. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, just for the listeners, I was there personally about oh, four or five months ago. And, and uh, again, for all our Australian listeners, we'll definitely know who the Colonel Sanders is, uh, <laughs> the, the, the God of KFC. And I actually went to his gravesite. And you got a photo with it as I well. I did get it. I, I actually took, I actually took a bucket of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Just, we just touched this briefly. Australians love KFC, but John was saying the KFC over in the States is absolute dog shit. It is. It's terrible. But obviously you guys yeah, got so many other places to eat. Raising Cane's, <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Um, oh, yeah. Lee's well, Chicken. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, Bojangles, Popeyes. You know those. Plus, they get better biscuits. Oh yeah, Bis- yeah. There's crazy biscuits. biscuits. It's uh, it's like a bloody scone. It's like a, oh, is it really yeah. okay? It's like I don't a, know. It's a, it's a baked a, and they, they like dipping it in gravy. It's really weird. Yeah, okay. it's an American thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going off track. That's why we're off track. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you found the training all right? Like there was no, yeah. you had no, no issue. Didn't bad. fail. You just no. I mean, got the through. standards are the standards are, are pretty, pretty low. low. You know, yeah. whether would, it be yeah. the the mental part of it. I think I think the academy was on eleventh grade uh, education level, so people could pass. Holy shit! Because you know you're getting cops, not doctors. And, and <laughs> the physical stuff, I mean, it's, I think it's the basic PT stuff that's used for a lot of things, the pushups, the sit-ups, the mile and a half run in under like 15 minutes. So, I mean, you could fast walk it. Yeah. So it, it, there was nothing real hard about it to me. There were some people that struggled and some people that breezed through it. Um, you know, it's like the military, you guys have been in it. Once you, once your mind, and I was older, so I think it helped knowing going in that yeah, definitely. they can't touch you. They're not going to hurt you. They can't eat you. So you can yell at me all you want. I'm just going to do what I do and, you know, yeah, we'll exactly. get through it. Yeah. But some of the guys got really mind, mind screwed by it. Cause they're looking at it going, <gasps> you know, big eyes and how's, why's this guy yelling at me? And I'm like, big dude, he yells at you. Then he'll go eat lunch with you later. It's all good. <laughs> how, how big are your classes? We had 42 in ours. Yeah. And they all passed. Everyone passed. No, we had I think four total dropout. Oh yeah, uh, a couple couldn't qualify in firearms, and then a couple just didn't want to do it by the by the time they realized what they were getting themselves into. Yeah, and when you say qualify firearms, it's only shooting at like seven meters or something, isn't it? So- or with a pistol as well. Yeah, it's it's pistol only. Uh, I mean, we had shotgun also, but the pistol was the thing that got, and mainly the females had trouble with the pistol. You know, we used a forty caliber Glock. Uh, so the grip was a little bit fatter. Yeah. Um, so they had a little more difficulty with it, but yeah, we go from three yards all the way out to 20, uh, let's 20, see, 15 20. yards is the furthest we go back. Yeah. Um, but there was very few qual shots from 15. Most of it was from seven in. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, that's where most of your shootings happen, you know, seven yards in. It, exactly. Yeah, right. It's close, exactly isn't it? Right. It's at like six, six meters or so. Yeah. Six, seven, six meters. Seven meters. Yeah. Yeah, 21 feet over here. I don't know what you're Yeah. It's seven there. meters. 20. That's <laughs> when they, um, that's where they do that stabbing test. As they say within yeah. that 21 meter, 21 feet. I if think someone's got yeah, a knife, they're, they're probably going to rush you and stab you. I think it's more you. than 21 feet. No, it's 21. That's the study. I think it's eight meters. Is it feet? I'm pretty sure it's meters. No, it's feet. No, yeah, feet. it's 21 feet 20, for the 20, standing. Fuck, if you got someone running at 21 meters, you'll definitely get the drop on them. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> okay, anyway. Anyway, we'll buddy. We'll ask Corey Jones. Yeah, we'll ask Corey Jones. <laughs> um, so at the end of uh, you graduate, just quickly, it's nothing like the police academy, like the like the movie? No, nobody was making the noises and, <laughs> you know, none of the fun stuff. Uh, so uh, you get your badge, uh, badge and gun, I suppose. And um, yeah, off you pop. Yeah, you get assigned to a station within Kentucky, yeah. correct? Yeah, you get to pick three that you, you preferred and, and generally you get one of the three uh, unless everybody picked the same one. Uh, I'll tell you something, a quick story that I, I've never told on here. Um, the week before graduation, those two weeks prior to it are our, our tactical shotgun course mm-hmm. where you're shooting, you know, hundreds of rounds of shotgun. And, you know, so it's fun. And the problem was I had an abscess tooth on my right side that popped up right in the academy, right at the end. And that's where that the butt of your gun is yeah. sitting on that side. So every time that round went off, man, my head thought it was going to explode. And all my pictures from graduation, it looks like I got a big <laughs> golf ball on my jaw. So uh, I started I started bad and I ended bad my career, but yeah, everything right. in between was pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I guess she would have had to fight through as well because otherwise they would have like medically back, back you know, class. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to wait for the next class. Uh, no, I, get it. I made it this far. I'm finishing. So uh, you get uh, posted to a police station. Is that in? Uh, I can't even say L- that. Louisville. 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 That's that it. Louisville. 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 Oh. Um, yeah. Did you get posted to a police station there? I did. Uh, so we had, at the time, because we hadn't merged, it was city and county inside the inside the county uh, lines. We were the city class. And so we had five divisions and they had four. Uh, we have eight total now. They, they downgraded one. Um, so it was one of the five divisions and I went to <clears throat> actually where I grew up. That's where I wanted to end up. Uh, but on your training phases, you had to go to two different divisions and four different shifts. So it was four different training officers, eight weeks apiece. Uh, that way your, your academy time and your street time ended up with a total of 52 weeks. So a year of training before, uh, you were allowed to go solo. Holy your smoke. Own. Oh, uh, one whole year. with Which is good. I mean, yeah. you need it. Because when you come out of the academy, naturally, you know, you're all type A and we think we know it all. Uh, but then you get out there and you're like, oh, I didn't think this would happen. And sure enough, it would. And you guys are by yourselves. Yeah. After after that year. Yeah. We don't okay. ride too many cars. Is that what's that due for like for like uh, the cost cutting or is that just because like just like just spread out the actual um, police officers? So there's like more. I think it's just to spread them out. Yeah. Um, a bigger footprint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the more cars that are visibly seen out in the neighborhoods, they feel like that'll deter crime more. Um, but there are certain calls that are two-man runs that that are automatically put out as two-car runs. And, you know, most guys don't wait. You show up and you start, and then the other guy shows up with you. But in the city limits, you're so close. If you're not in one of, one of the outer county divisions that, that now consist of the whole department, but previously on the city, um, you know, you're talking a very – condensed area that we were all working in. So anytime you need a backup, it was there within a minute. Yeah, sick as. And how did you find that first year on the job? Um, was your oh. was your mentor awesome? Did you have the same um, one or was it just multiple? No, it was four different ones. Yep. You had eight weeks with each one and different shifts. So I had late watch, day work, mid watch. Yep. So you, you get the whole gamut. And then a um, couple of them were good, a couple of them were okay. Uh, but they just had different mentalities because if you're on day work, you're, you're on a guy that's got, you know, 25 years on. He don't want to really hit a lot. He's just teaching you how to write reports and, yeah. you know, how to get skate through and, and get through it. Whereas if you're on, on late watch with the younger guy, man, you're you're jumping corners, you're car chasing, you're fighting. You yeah, know, so, but, yeah, those those first few that first year, man, I would have paid to go to work. It was so much fun. It was oh, like a no cops way. episode every night. It was, it was good times. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, that's the shit that I think about. I'm like, imagine if you're paired up with like your best mate from the Defence Force, Navy, Army, Air Force from school. Imagine if you two were just cruising around a cop car, just fucking just being absolute fuckwits. <laughs> I'm going to be awesome. Yeah, it happens, especially your first couple of years, man. Because yeah. our cars, so we had two radios. You know, you had your in-car radio, and then you had your, your walkie-talkie radio, your handheld. Well, your handheld, you could switch over to a a car to car channel. Yeah, that wasn't recorded, couldn't get picked up. So, man, you're talking to three or four guys there. Hey, let's go over here. Hey, there's a car coming up this alley. Hey, let's grab this person. Let's do whatever. That's cool. And so it was fun because you're coordinating stuff, and and you know you're able to jump out on people and, and get the to get the advantage. It was it was good times. Yeah, I, I guess um, Louisville had a quite a high uh, crime rate too, didn't it? Like it still right. does. Yeah. It still does. So yeah, last year we had. We got a little under a million, or right at a million people. Um, we had 182 homicides last year, over 800 shootings. Oh, so shit. if you do the per capita, we're more than double Chicago's homicide rate. Now, it doesn't get the press because there's not 
you know, 30 people shot in a weekend, like in Chicago, but they've got 8 million people and we've got a million. And last year, I think they had 500 and something shootings and we had almost 200. So if you do that times eight, you know, we're way over them, but you know, so did you just busy? Yeah. So obviously prior to the, uh, the, the March 13, was there plenty other shootings that you were involved in? Not personally. I've been shot at in a warrant. Um, yep. but I couldn't see through to fire to, to return fire. The glass cut me. Um, I've been next to people who've had to shoot people, uh, but I didn't have the angle on it. So there's been a few, but nothing that I've personally pulled the trigger on. Yeah. Back to the homicides, John. How come there's so many? Is it, is it gangbangers? Is it drugs? Uh, is it black on black, Hispanics, whites? Who is it? It's it's about 80, 89 or 92% black on black is yeah. what it is. Mm. Um, and a lot of it is the it's the younger generations, man. They just don't care. Nah. I remember being on the street before I got the shooting, talking to the to the older OGs, what they call them. And, <laughs> and these guys have lived a life of crime their entire life. Now they're 35, 40 years old. And they're like, dude, this is scary. I mean, these 15 year olds, that they, just don't, they don't live by the same rules we grew up on. It doesn't matter who you are, friend, foe, you cross me. The first thing I'm going to do is pull a gun and shoot you. Yeah. And so there's no code to the streets anymore. Like there used to be, nah. you know, it used to be, we had several, pro- we had like seven different projects in the city they tore all those down and they've diversified the housing. So now that crime is scattered all over the city, as opposed to used to be when somebody committed a crime, you kind of knew where to go because the family, their whole family always lived in this area. And now it's so spread out that it's, it makes it more difficult to to fight the crime and follow up on it. But it also makes it more dangerous for the entire community because now you get people who've never dealt with this and those people are in their neighborhoods. Yeah. We're, we're kind of experiencing something like that here in Australia with the, the youth you know, 14, 15, 16, there was a stabbing at a, you know, like, like a, a like a fair, like a fair um, down mm-hmm. in Sydney. And and for uh, for that to happen is huge. 16 years yeah. old and they're carrying knives just stabbing each other. It's like, it's just disgusting. Like, grow up. Like, it's, it's, it's not tough. It's not tough. If you want to be yeah. tough, go it's to the not. Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll put no you kidding. on a flight if you want to be tough. Hey, John, what's the sentencing for, um, for like, shooting someone? For murder, like 20 years or it depends, depends on what county you're in. So we're, we're okay. in Jefferson County. Louisville is encompassed in Jefferson County. And I think the average, uh, I talked to a guy the other day that's in homicide and he said the average for a homicide is eight and a half years. Eight and a half. Is that all? Yeah. Bullshit. That's it. Man. That's almost, no, it's like, horrible. Honestly, that's almost worth it. Like, if you hated someone that much, you'd be like, because man. they're not doing that eight and a half years. They might get that sentence, but they're going to get probated out early. Yeah. Get parole. So they might do four or five. And I mean, it's a joke. And that's, how much, and how much just safe, like, um, like a, like a, like a bag, a bag of Coke, like a, like a K of Coke or something. Oh, that's more, well, isn't it? Probation. No. Oh, well, oh no yeah. way. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, what? Shit. Dude, it's, it's, it's totally, they yeah. totally desensitized, uh, the, the, the crime in our County, mm. like the big, like all the other cities, like New York, like San Francisco, you know, we were a very liberal city, very progressive mayor, uh, the same with our district attorney. So they, number one, they don't like taking anything to trial. They want to, they want to just settle everything. So okay. they'll take all these plea deals that kind of like Glover, Jamarcus Glover. He's yeah. the guy that in this, in this case that was selling the dope, the whole reason we were at Brown and Taylor's house that night, he had five active cases for guns and drugs in circuit court going on when this happened, oh, one of them, God. he had just been locked up in January, two months prior to this. And she bailed him out. 
So if he had been in jail, we would have never been there that night. Yeah. And Brianna Taylor would be alive. Yeah. And we wouldn't be talking. Yeah. So yeah. it's the judicial system yeah, that's the problem. It. Yeah. You and know, it, everybody wants to say police. And, and it's not, just, let's do some of these judges. Yeah. And it's not even, you know, the, the legal system. It's obviously the people that support the mainstream media and stuff. You know, we, part of their story, you know, of all this is that he was a law-abiding citizen. He was late. He was, uh, he could carry a firearm. I was like, oh, fuck it. Oh, where do they get well, that, this That's shit Kenneth from? Walker, her boyfriend. We'll yeah. get to him later. Yeah. He had yeah. the... He lived the same lifestyle. He just hadn't been caught yet. That's crazy. But it showed on his phone when they downloaded it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you do your first year um, with uh, with your mentor, and then you your then you're Jason Derulo solo, yeah. right inside. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> how, how did you go? Like how long? Um, so this happened obviously 2020. So you're in the police for a very long time, right? Yeah, yeah 21 years total, almost yeah, 20 up until that point. Yeah. When that took place. So I did five years on late watch, which is midnight to eight. Um, and after that, I went to what's called a flex unit, which is a division wide narcotics unit that also was able to like if the major of that unit said, hey, uh, we've got carjackings in this area or robberies. We need you to take care of that, too. So we took care of most of the drug complaints. So that was probably 90 percent of what we did. Mm. And that's where I got my foot in the door with narcotics and, and, and really liked it, doing all the search warrants, going through doors, just the constant adrenaline rush. Um, I did that until 2009 and I got promoted to sergeant. I didn't want to, but my boss at the time was like, Hey, you see how they're promoting all these idiots. Either you can work for them or you can work with them. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. So I went ahead and got promoted. Uh, I never took the lieutenant's test probably should have, uh, but I always enjoyed hands-on with the guys being on the street. And once you become a lieutenant, you become more of a paper pusher and, and all their goal is to climb the political ladder. And I had zero desire to do that. Yeah. Um, so I did that till 2009 when I became sergeant, went back to late watch for a year, uh, went to division detective unit from uh, 2010 to 2012. In 2012, they started a violent crime unit that was based because our homicide rate had just gone through the roof. Um, and so I went to that from 12 to almost 16. And uh, man, that was the best time of my career. It was, it was yeah, right. nonstop balls to the wall from the time you stepped into the door to the time you went home at night. Uh, we got murderers, you know, carjackers, shooters. We got all that stuff. That's all we dealt with. And uh, so it was a good time. And uh did that until 2016. Then I went to our major narcotics unit and I was up there until 2020. Yeah. So throughout this whole time of you being a police officer, you're obviously going through a lot of training as well. So it's never ending, you know, training like you're nonstop. Not as much as you'd think. Oh, no way. No. So come down no, to cost not- or just there's no need for it? Well, there is a need. No, there's for need it. for it. Yeah. There's two things, budget. They won't put it. They won't put the money toward that. They'd rather put it toward all these, this social crap. Yeah. Um, and, and manpower. So if they take you off for training, there's not anybody on the street to do the job that they need done. Yeah. Because for most cities, our size, like Nashville, Indianapolis, they've got like 2000 officers, you know, we're running at 1250. So by the time you divide that up between all your detective units, your command staff, uh, split the bodies up among eight divisions between three platoons, I mean, you're running, you know, Very six, stretched. seven men per per beat or per per division, uh, per shift, and that's just not safe if you keep going below that. Ah, out, hectic. That's crazy. And they so really- you want to hear our shooting protocol? For yeah, the year, our yeah, qualifications? yeah, yeah. All right, we had two qualifications per year. One was a four-hour block where you shot fifteen rounds. 
That's it. 15 <laughs> rounds. The Man. second one was an all day thing. Half of it was classroom. Half of it was shooting. You did get some warm up rounds in there, but then you shot 45 to- total rounds for your quals. That's it. Oh. We do what's called a fats machine, which was the, the simulator. Um, and every once in a while we do a tack house with some sim rounds, but other than that, that's pretty pathetic. And our, our range was never opened us. Yeah. We couldn't just go down there. They wouldn't give you ammo. And when you came in, you had to turn your ammo in to get your new ammo. You couldn't keep it to shoot for yourself. So that's a lot fun. of, a lot of flaws, a lot of things that should be improved on. Yeah. Um, because you know, that's the thing that's going to save your life out here. And it's the least amount of thing that you train on it, It's ridiculous. Yeah, that is crazy because you know, the whole of the political correctness movement is trying to defund the police. So if yeah. you want the police to be better, give them more money so they can train more. Exactly. Yeah, better crazy. training means better officer. Exactly. They don't want to see I, find, I just find it bizarre. Like you look at the defense force, you know, your, your defense force, our defense force and Matt knows Matt and I know well, you just shoot that many rounds. You get sick of shooting. Yeah. You, like, you shoot I've, thousands of rounds. You're like, fuck, I just wanted to end. Yeah. <laughs> I've buried, buried a lot of the rounds. <laughs> For us out at sea, we, we used to throw them straight over the side of the ship. Yeah. It's like, fuck, there's <laughs> throw them over. Like, we'd like, you had those now for your personal use? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Like five, five, six. The cost of ammunition at the moment. 50 cal. Still going crazy. <laughs> so 2000, what did you say, 2000, up to 2016, you're within that detective side of things. How did you find that? Was it, Is that all plain clothes? Yeah. Yeah, everything I've I, probably, let's see. Um, so everything but six years of my career were plain clothes stuff. Oh, no way. Um, oh, cool. Which I enjoyed. You know, I'm Mark Carr, plain clothes. Yeah. Flexible hours. Uh, it was great. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's what it was. Yeah, and you're you, obviously you're a sergeant at this stage too, so you're mm-hmm. um, somewhat the supervisor. Correct. Now what we yeah, see on you, was- yeah, what we see on YouTube all the time is you know people whinging, oh, can I see your supervisor? And the sergeant turns up, and there was one the other week. I think the sergeant turns up and up slapping someone. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually see- uh, he choked the uh, he choked another police officer, grabbed him by the neck. Oh yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah, that was yeah. hectic. But he was well so, in mean, right. I've, I've, I've been, been physical with my guys before when they're going too far. Yeah. You're like, dude, stop. But, you know, they get in that zone and yeah. it's hard to – you can't just say, hey, excuse me. You know, yeah. you've got to actually grab or push yeah. or punch or whatever you got to do. Hectic. <laughs> yeah. How, like, how's your mental space at this stage? You know, you've been through, you know, 16-plus years of being a cop on the streets, murders, car crashes, house fires, absolutely Everything like you guys go, the police officers, even here in Australia, they go through so much that no one hears of. They just see the one incident and they blame the police, but they don't see what's led up to, you know, like just in general. Like high speed car yeah. crashes, for instance. Yeah, man, you go, you go, you know, your typical day will go from, you know, a, a, a stupid report about a dog barking to <laughs> a dead kid. Then you go yeah. from that to a break-in report. Then you go from that to somebody's head crushed in in a car wreck. So it's constant bounce back and forth. And, and you got to just be able to compartmentalize and move on. And unfortunately, some guys that builds up and causes PTSD, mm. uh, you know, just the way I'm built, it, I've, I've never really had any of those issues, at least that I know of. Yeah. I know the, the job does change you. There's no doubt about that. It changes who you are. But uh, everybody handles everything differently. And up to that point, I had never... You know, there's stuff that still sticks in my head, obviously, that mm. that you close your eyes and you can see it or you relive it when you see stuff or hear stuff. But other than that, there's, there's never been that overwhelming nightmares and, and you know, can't deal with it type thing. Yeah. Um, over your 
time as a police officer, did you did you lose any of your officers or be involved in yeah, anything? Yeah, lost a couple was- buddies. Uh, one guy got shot in the head. Uh, one guy got hit by a car, and then another guy was in a car wreck. I knew those three guys. And there's you know others that have died that I didn't know on a personal basis, but yeah, those are tough. Yeah, far out, especially getting shot. You know, like obviously. Uh, we all, we all drive a car, you know, so you sort of have to, like, accept the fact that you will be in a car crash. But uh, being shot, you know, it's um, yeah. a whole other ball game. Yeah. Can you, can you yeah. just t- touch on that, uh, John? Hold on. Grab it. Oh, he's got a mute button on his thing. Yeah, it's cool. Huh? You don't have one of them. He's got kids yelling out to him. Yeah. Dad. Dad. <laughs> yeah. The kids, my kids home yeah. from school, so oh yeah, he didn't yeah. know I was going to be on a podcast. Oh, that's all right, okay. mate. I've I've got four as well, so it's just like a crazy house. I don't yeah, have any. Yeah, <laughs> Shane doesn't have anybody. I reckon he does somewhere. I'll just pull out. <laughs> Say it again. What? What is it? I can't. Hey, right. sorry about that, guys. All good, mate. All good. Um, John, can you just touch on your buddy that got shot? If that's all right. Yeah. Or so he. He had, uh, he was on late watch. It was coming early in the morning. They got a call about some guys breaking into a car. He shows up on scene. Um, he was a passive guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a real aggressive type guy. You know, he wasn't a small guy, but at the same time, he just didn't have that aggressive attitude that uh, a lot of guys have. And, um, the guy was, I think, 17 years old. And when he walked up to him, he started to pat him down or started to talk to him. And when he turned and looked the other way, the guy pulled a pistol off his waistband, shot him in the head, wow. and then turned the gun on himself. Oh, no way. Oh, wow. Wow. Yep. That, that happens. 22. Yeah, that does happen a lot in the U.S., doesn't it? They uh, take oh, yeah. a murder-suicide. Yeah, I, don't, and I never understood that because I'm like, well, if you want to die, just kill yourself. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Don't, Why do you got to ruin everybody else's life? Yeah. yeah fuck, I've seen that too. Like here in Australia, like, people – Killing the whole family before they kill themselves. Yeah. Like, just kill yourself before. Like, just go away. We had a, we had a case here uh, two years ago. There's a guy up on the Gold Coast in in Queensland, Brisbane, Brisbane. Sorry, and he yeah. set the car on fire with his daughters and his wife. Yeah. And, and then he went home and mm. killed, killed himself. It's yeah, um, he was, yeah. he was a fuckwit. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Crazy story. Anyway, as as I said, like you guys go through so much stuff up until the 13th of March. You know, how many? Oh, you probably can't even count of how many you've done, but you know how many door knocks have you done? Like t- to that extent where it's been an organised job for it, that. It's well over two thousand. Oh, that's shit. where I've actually been through the door on a, after breaching it. So you've had pl- yeah. plenty of experience. And out of that two thousand, yeah. how many have been hostile? Oh man, a handful, dozen maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, right. yeah. What do you mean by hostile? Like, like uh, I'm talking like- about like where you've had to go in and actually fight somebody to get them under control. Yeah, well, like, yeah, just, now we've had plenty that have hidden or jumped out windows or ran outdoors. Yeah. What about, um, what about that, um, shooting your gunshots or knife attack? Well, me personally, there's only been two. Yep. Um, the one where I went up and I pulled a screen door off trying to, cause so, so they could bram the door so they could breach the door. And as soon as I yanked the, the handle, it popped off and I threw it down. And when I stepped back around, came through and hit the wood behind me and the glass oh. cut me up and, um, so that was that was a hairy one, but again, you just go into training mode. We backed out, called him out, and he finally came out. Um, then I've been on a couple with SWAT where they're the lead on it and they're going in first, and they've been shot at coming, you know, going through the door. Wow! So again, cool. you've That's- got a lot of experience of uh, door knocking. So let's uh, move on to the the day, March 13, 2020. Yeah. Um, run us through like the you know at least the day prior because. 
I don't know too much. I'm actually speaking to a New Zealand cop right now, and um, we're talking a little bit about this type of stuff. And uh, run it, yeah, run us through, like especially yeah. our listeners. You know, we're military, so we don't plan too much. We just go door kicking, and <laughs> yeah, it's generally so, in shitty parts of the world too. So the unit that that actually performed this raid, or, or that got the warrants all signed, um, they're a unit inside our division, but they're not narcotics. They are a it's called place based, so they they're very targeted on. Um, say your house has a bunch of complaints over the year. Well, now they're going to focus on you and your property to eliminate this problem, right? So um, they had been given this target on Elliot that had three vacant houses that you that you were using as trap houses, which is where they go get their dope, come there every day, sell their dope all day, then go home at night. Uh, they also had uh, Jamarcus Glover's baby's mama's house, and then they had Brianna Taylor, who was his off and on girlfriend. So he had several women that he used to hold stuff, to store stuff, to move stuff for him. Mm. So they had five houses they had to hit. Well, that's super manpower intensive Yeah, when you do that. So they put an email out saying, hey, we need help on this date. And it's going to be Thursday the 12th going into, into Friday the 13th, Friday 13th. Mm. Um, so I show up on, on, I volunteered. I said, I'll help out because I'm already working overtime that night. Uh, I had transitioned from our major case unit, which dealt with FBI and DEA and, and wiretaps and all big cases. And I transferred over to our interdiction unit, which sees packages coming from uh, UPS, FedEx, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I went and my group met. We came in at 10 o'clock that night on, on Thursday, the 12th, and we did the brief on the board. They told everybody who was going to be where, and they had changed Brianna Taylor's apartment to a knock and announce. Because to get a no-knock warrant, there has to be specific guidelines that you have. You know, they have to be dangerous. They have to be known to fight or shoot or destroy evidence. Well, they knew where Jamarcus Clover was going to be because they had a tracker on his car and a ping on his phone. So this no longer fit the elements of a no-knock warrant. So they did the right thing, changed that one to a knock and announce. Um, and fortunately, I took a picture of the board because defense attorneys would never believe us. They'd call us liars. They might believe us, but they're still going to call us liars in court and all that. So I took a picture of it where it said knock and announce on it. We did the brief there. Um, then we go to the secondary location where her apartment's going to be. And when we get there, it's raining. Uh, when I came out of the brief, I come out to my car. I, I had the pick in the Ram and I go to throw up my trunk and I had two flat tires on my driver's side. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Somebody had come to the parking lot. There was a couple of cars that were done that way. So I go in and I get a, a spare car we have. And as I'm transferring all my gear, it just starts downpouring. So I'm soaking wet. I'm a little bit mad, uh, frustrated. I go out to the scene, meet with them. I go drive by the apartment to make sure I've got eyes. So the guy that's watching it gives me a direct uh, uh, connect on that on the house so I know which one I'm hitting. Uh, I go back. I meet with these guys. I do another real, real quick brief uh, so we know what our approach is going to be. Uh, we gear up. We head to the house. When we get there, I get out. And now it's it's about 1240. Uh, on, on Friday, March 13th, full moon, still raining out. We get out of the car and there's a car that had pulled up that wasn't there when I first drove through about 15 minutes ago. So I'm looking at that going, well, why is this, where did this car come from? And I asked the guy on the radio, cause I'm now I'm mad about that too. I'm like, how come we weren't briefed on this? Nobody gave us an update that this car pulled up while we're on our way. Uh, evidently he missed it. Well, if he fell asleep, was on his phone, I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, he's a good dude, so I'm not faulting. Yeah, uh, we pull up. I clear that car real quick while they're while they're getting the stack to go up to the door. Uh, uh, nothing in it, it was just a dirty car with a baby seat. We go up to the door, and this is a, a eight plex, so it's got four apartments on the top, four on the bottom, 
and there's a breezeway and that's where we were. We came into it and knock on the door. There's a metal staircase going up on the right-hand side. Her apartment door is right under that staircase. So I'm on the left of the door. The guy with the ram is on the right. The rest of the detectives are lined up. Um, we go up. I, I start knocking on the door. No answer. Knocked again. No answer. At that point, I begin announcing, please search warrant. Please search warrant. The bang gets harder. Open hand, loud bang. Uh, the guy at the top that whose car this happens to be pops his head out and goes, man, what are y'all guys doing? He starts <laughs> arguing with them. And, and, you know, the guys down low or, you know, they put a gun on him and go get back in the apartment because they don't know if he's a threat or not. Yeah. So they argue for a minute. Finally, he goes back in the apartment. I continue knocking and announcing. This goes on for a minute. And the guy who's the breacher at the right says, hold on, I think I hear something inside. So we stop. We listen. Didn't hear anything. I yell again, police search warrant. If you're in there, come to the door. We got a search warrant. They never came. Banged one more time and yelled. Still didn't come to the door. I look back at my lieutenant. And he gives me the nod and I'm like, let's go. And so the, the guy hits the door. It took three hits to knock the door open. Uh, once the door flew open, it flew open from left to right. Mm-hmm. I was on the left-hand side of the door. So I'm able to see the right side of the living room and I clear it visually with my eyes, clear it all the way around. At this point, everybody's yelling, please search warrant. So if you're inside, you're hearing us. There's yeah. no yeah. no doubt you're not hearing seven guys yell, please search warrant. Just, it's no way. And when I get to where I can't see anymore, there's a hallway there and it, and it butts up, you know, with the door frame where I can't see. So I have to step into the, into the, the door frame. Well, as soon as I do that, you know, it's dark inside. There's a little bit of ambient light coming out from the TV down the hallway. Hallway's about 30 foot long, very narrow hallway, about three foot wide. And as I turn the corner before I step in the doorway, all I did was step over into the doorway and I see two figures at the end of this hallway. One's taller, one's smaller. They're overlapping one Mm -hmm. another. So it's like a big blob with a tall head and short head. Yeah. And as I turn and I get on target, I see the barrel of a gun. And all Uh this is happening in milliseconds, right? This is quick. And as soon as I turn that corner, I see the gun and my brain's gone. Oh, crap. And boom, it was over. He shot. I returned four shots. He dove out of the way. There was an inset in the wall there. He dove out of the way, leaving Brianna there. She tried to follow him into the bedroom. That's when she caught the the rounds that were meant for him. I get behind the door frame. I come around and and get two more off before I realize, I mean, I know I've been hit, but I reached down with my left hand and put it on my thigh. And I realized this wasn't just a through and through because my hand was full blood. And so, you know, 20 years of training with first aid and all that and seeing as many dead bodies as I've seen or people shot. Yeah. I knew this was an artery. It was an artery bleed. So I announced that to those guys there. I said, man, I've been shot. I've been shot in my artery. And so my first thought was, well, get off my feet because I'm pumping blood out. So I went back on my rear end and scooted back. And I thought, well, I can't stay here because I'm hearing the gunshots over my head. So I jump, I get up and I hobble out to the, to the curb. And about that time I, I step off the curb, but my leg isn't working. But, you know, just out of, of habit, I step down with my left leg and it gives out on me. So I, I go to the ground. I holster my gun on the way down. I look over and my buddy is in between these cars. He was the last one to stack. And when the shot started, he went to back up and tripped over the curb and fell, fell down between (laughs) these cars. So as I'm going down, I'm looking at him thinking, man, Mike's been shot. You know, that that was what's going through my head. And so when I hit the ground, I'm like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. So I started scooting back and I, I was yelling at the guys in the parking lot. I said, man, I need a tourniquet. So my lieutenant grabs my vest and he pulls me out and uh, he gets a belt, takes a belt off. That doesn't work. No, nice. think the movies, man. He grabs that belt. And then uh, there's two mics there that night. The other mic comes over. He steps on my thigh and tries to pull the belt. There's so much blood on it. Just kept slipping. So finally, the guy with the tourniquet comes up. I said, man, 
cut my pant legs off to make sure we get above the hole. So we're doing all that. Uh, they get the tourniquet on and I tell you what, dude, a tourniquet, no joke. I'll take getting shot 10 times over another tourniquet cranked down on my leg. Uh, it was on for almost 40 minutes and no fun. No, yeah, no good at all. Um, but during this time, here's the funny part. So, you know, Kenneth Walker, the whole time's going, I didn't know who was breaking in. You know, I thought I was getting robbed. And then he said, well, I thought maybe it was her ex-boyfriend and all these different excuses he's mm-hmm. used. Um, one of the things he said was I, I grabbed her and helped her to the ground after she was shot. Well, he didn't because where her body is and the bullet holes in the wall where he was standing, helping her, you know, would have taken his head off. Um, plus he had no blood on his outfit. So she was pretty bloodied up after this. And, and you, there's no way you're cradling somebody who's bleeding that bad and, and yeah. having any blood on you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, you know, when I'm in the hospital, if he thought we were breaking in, why did he bring her to the hallway with him? You know, he had a minute. We knocked for a minute, which seems like an eternity at a door. I mean, when you're banging on a door waiting, oh, yeah, my gosh, man, you know, this seems like forever. And uh, it went against everything we were trained or taught. But but they asked us to go longer on this because they said she's there by herself. It's a heavy set black female. We're not there to really lock her up. We want to get all the evidence. We want to see what, you know, if she'll give us a statement on this, this, this drug ring that's going on. So we were trying to be nice. And every time you try to be nice, seems like a mistake. Um, so instead of having her call 911 while he addressed the threat, he brings her out with him. And then he didn't come out for 16 minutes after the mm. shooting. He calls his mom first. Oh, her own man calls his mom she, first. She tells him to call 911. So he calls 911. Uh, then he calls her mom. And then he finally came out after 16 minutes. Uh, so no telling what he hid during that time period or what, yeah. what he was doing. Um, and then when he comes out, his first statement is that she shot us. He didn't even take, didn't even take the credit for it or the blame. He blamed it on her, the big girl laying in the hallway. Uh, so it just shows you the caliber of man he is or lack of man he is. Um, so once we deal with that, you know, I, I, they're dealing with him before he comes out, calling him out, trying to get him to come out. He won't do it. Uh, they get me to the EMS wagon. Uh, they get me in there. They get me down to the hospital. I remember walking in and or rolling me in and I'm on my back and university of Louisville is a training hospital. And it's the best in the state. Yeah. It's got the best trauma center. And I rolled in and I look up and I'm on my back and I see about 30 people in a semi-circle. They all come in for the trauma. They all do. It's just what they do. And probably 25 of them are females between 22 and 26, 27 years old. Oh, taking your pants off. I'm looking. That's the first thing that came out. I went, oh, crap. They're going to cut my pants all the way off. Spread eagle in front of all these women. Uh, So I looked at the doctor. I said, can you... can I fluff this up real quick? <laughs> and, uh, just to get, get, get some, get, get some blood going through it. Oh, we lost you. I'm about to go in here and switch microphones real quick. Now you're Can on you hear me? Yeah, we got you. We got you. Okay. All right. We'll just go with this then. Um, we got no so video though. There's no can't see video. Yeah. There's no video. And I'll, uh, I'll request it again. Well, the video should be good. Uh, there it is. Oh, no, it's me. It's me. All right. Oh, there we go. Oh, no, it's gone. We had you. We lost you. We got you. All right. Beautiful. So I'm just going to stay with this then. I ain't going to no, change that's, my that's, stuff. That's sweet. That's sweet. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they get in there and, and and here I am now, you know, totally naked from all these people. And so it's pretty uncomfortable, but, you know, got through it. And, um, 
And so, I mean, that, that kind of encapsulated that night. And I thought we were in the clear because COVID started on March 13th. That was the shutdown in, in America. And when that happened, I thought, good, because even though we didn't do anything wrong, this is still a white cop shooting a black person, right? Mm, yeah. Since Michael Brown in 2015, the first question we always asked was, were they white or black? And it shouldn't be that way. It should just simply be, was it a good shoot or bad shoot? But unfortunately, this is this is where we're at and in and, and the state that we're in. And I thought we were good. And then you had a Ahmaud Aubrey happen. And Ben Crump jumped on that. And our attorneys, or the attorneys for Breonna Taylor's family, happened to know Ben Crump. So they reached out to him and said, hey, since you're helping uh, on Ahmaud Aubrey, can you help us on Breonna Taylor? And naturally, he saw dollar signs and was like, heck, yeah, I'll do it. I'll jump right in on it. And so once that happened, things just started picking up in the city. You could feel the tension starting to rise. I started reaching out to people going, when are we going to put the truth out? Because all these lies have been, they said we had the wrong apartment. They said she was asleep in her bed. They said Jamarcus Glover was already in custody when we got there. None of that stuff was true. All of it was a lie and all of it was provable. They said we didn't knock and announce. You know, all these things that, that were coming out in the media that were getting perpetuated by uh, social media and all these athletes and, and mm. Oprah and all these people, straight lies. And our city refused to come out and say, no, that's not true. Uh, our department was too weak to come out and go, no, this is the facts. Here they are. So somebody leaked some documents like the uh, the search warrant that had her name on it, her car on it, her social on it, everything. Um, and, and so I asked him, I said, why are we not putting the truth out? The answer I got back up was, well, we don't want to, we don't want to set precedent for future cases. And I'm like, so you'd rather the city burn and people get hurt as opposed to setting precedent, which you change anyway, because you do whatever you want. Mm. And, um, so that's where we were. And then you had George Floyd. Yeah. And once that happened, that was it, it was yeah. like the perfect trifecta and, you know, Everything went to hell after that. Yeah, so just backtracking a bit to the entry, one of your bullets was one of the bullets that struck uh, Breonna Taylor. Correct. Yeah, and obviously yeah. this is after you've been crumped in the leg. With your gunshot, did, was that a straight through or did that stop? Yeah, yeah, it came out. I did come out. So, that's- yeah, it ripped through. so what I had, a, I had a wallet in my pocket and it had a little metal clip in the front pocket. And when the bullet went through my leg, it deflected it just enough to miss my femur bone. Uh, but it ripped through the femoral artery. And yeah. when it did that, it, fortunately, it, it exited out the back. But, you know, then they had to do the femoral repair, which was about eight inches they took out and re- replaced it with a vein. Um, so good times. Yeah. How many times was she shot? Five. Five times. So you've got um, one of your bullets is hidden, and then obviously the guys have uh, pretty much jumped over the top of you and started continued started to – uh, yeah. Shoot and um, was uh, old mate still shooting back at you guys, Marcus? How many how many Marcus? shots did he take? No, he only took the one. Yep, he took the one and dove out of the way like a coward. Yeah. So he obviously brought her out, like just as my my investigation. She, he brought her out just as an another you know target for the police to you know be distracted with. Yeah, or somewhat of a shield. We're not really yeah. sure. I don't I don't know the mindset behind it. It's crazy. It makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. Yeah, but obviously that's sure. what he's his his thought across. Uh, yeah, and, you know, the whole, the whole, I didn't hear the police first. He didn't hear us knock. Then he admitted he heard us knock. And that's why they got up and he got dressed and got his gun stood and wait. Then he said, he didn't hear us. Well, in the States, at least in Louisville and, and several people I've talked to in other States, the same way, these dope dealers, when they rob each other, 
they'll go bang on a door and yell police because they know some kid or some woman's going to open the door and then they've got a gun in their face and they're going to steal their stuff. Well, when they downloaded his phone, number one, Kenneth Walker was the one that shot me, her current boyfriend. He had uh, text and photos and, and information on there where he's selling fentanyl pills and, and marijuana and all this stuff. And, you know, all the pictures of his different guns he's got. Um, And so all that's in his phone. And then he had a text from a guy saying, um, Hey, we're going to hit this lick. Do you want to be in on it with us? And he said, what's it worth? And they said 20,000. And he said, that's fine. But I always do my homework before I do that, before I know what I'm getting into. So he obviously had a history of doing these type things. So I don't know if his MO was one of, Hey, we're going to go bang and say we're the police and do this. That's the only thing I can guess why he thought hearing us say police and still thinking we're, you know, he's getting home invaded. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And for me, I'm guessing the, the, even the accent of a, a gangbanger saying police is, I, you know, from what we hear on the movies, it's, it's different that there's a different. Yeah. Well, they know the knock. I'm telling you, it's there's a, a do, police do, knock. Do, do, that's very specific. Yeah. It's open hand, very loud. You know, you, it's not, it's not the uh, pizza guy. Yeah. And, and we know that. Yeah. And if you're getting home invaded, and it takes a minute of them knocking. They're not going to keep knocking. They're just kicking your door in. So a minute, like I said, is a long time. It's like it when you're cooking your popcorn, staying at the microwave going, how much longer is this taking? You know, it's only a minute, but it seems like an eternity. And that's what it felt like at that door. Oh, jeez. That's, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Um, chat about um, still getting shot at. So when you, when you return fire, you're obviously down on the ground at this stage. Or were you, were you still no, standing up? Fire, the initial was as soon as I was hit, uh, you know, I got off four rounds as quick as I could. And then I knew to get behind a, some cover or concealment. Mm. So I went behind the door frame and came around and got two more, which went into the door frame where he had dove into. Right. Um, then after that, I was like, man, I'm out of the fight. You know, I'll let whoever take over. And at about that time is when the other guy, that's when I went down. That's when I went off my feet. Uh, that's when the guy stepped over me and, and started putting – let down range so I could get out of harm's way. Gotcha, gotcha. After the firefight, um, was he saying anything about uh, Brianna, the, the boyfriend there? No, when he came out, and they've got all this part on video, when he came out, he was going, what's going on? What's going on? Somebody kicked my door in. Well, he, he, ne- he and, never asked about, about her at all. Like, she was dead on the ground at this stage. No, when the police asked who else is in there, he said, my girlfriend. They said, where is she? And he said, she's, she's in the hallway. She's dead. Oh, right. And they were like, where at in the hallway? He's like, on the ground. And they were like, Okay, well, did she shoot or did you shoot? He said she shot because she was scared. You know, <laughs> just unbelievable. And the funny thing is, there's a, a what's called a courtesy officer that was lived in those apartments. He's a police officer on Louisville Metro Police, and he grew up with Kenneth Walker. He knows his family. And when he heard the gunshots, he turned his radio on. He heard officer down. He put his uniform on and came outside. Well, Kenneth had obviously called his mom. So when she showed up on scene, she went directly to this officer because she knew him. And she said, and this is this is his statement. And he's not pro me per his Facebook post and Instagram. He's like, we'll never let dirty cops do this to our people again and all this crap. Mm. So whatever. It's in the book. If anybody wants to read 12 seconds in the dark, it's in there. And his his official statements in there, too, where she came up to him and said, uh, I don't know what's going on. Kenny called me and said, hey, mama, they're at the door banging. I said, who's at the door, baby? He said, it's the police. I got to go. And he hung up. Then he comes out 16 minutes later going, I don't know who kicked in my door. 
Somebody came in and killed, killed yeah, my girlfriend. Wrong, okay. You know, it's just it, it just shows the the level of lies that that just it kept is, getting, yeah. you know perpetuated. That the city again and our department twenty six months later have never come out and said all these things were lies. Here's the truth. They just left. They just left the officers that were on the scene just left us out there. Just to take, hang. Well, why have they done that for? They reckon they they're scared of like backlash, or they reckon they're, they're scared. I think it's backlash. You had a couple of things. Number one, it was the election cycle. Okay. And again, our, our mayor is super progressive and, and, and liberal and tied into to DC pretty big. And the second thing is from the beginning, he was saying, we need to get justice for Breonna Taylor. We need to get justice for Breonna Taylor. And I sit back going, well, what does that even mean? You know, what is justice for Breonna Taylor? It would be locking her boyfriend up is what it would be because his charges have all been dismissed. He's not facing anything for shooting me. And um, so, you know, once he took their side, I think he didn't want egg on his face. So he thought, if I don't produce the evidence and I just let this thing keep going, because what are we taught, you know, from growing up? The news is going to tell us the news, right? They're going to tell us the truth. And when they're telling all these lies over and over and over and nobody in an official capacity steps up and goes, that's not true. We had gag orders on us. We couldn't talk. Or I would have told the world then. Yeah. So when, when they don't come back and rebut those and go, that's not true. Then what do you think? Well, it must be true, right? You just gave her 12 million bucks before any any legal stuff happened. So you're admitting guilt. You changed rules where we couldn't do no-knock warrants, even though this wasn't a no-knock warrant. You hung your head on this being a no-knock warrant, which you knew was a lie. And then you're not, you're not telling the truth on anything. So mm. people believe that, well, man, they must have been guilty. Yeah. Because they paid them. They're not telling us that those are lies. And and here we are. And it was just it's a travesty is what it is. Yeah. But the, the lies even got even that bad where they said that you got shot by the, your own police officer. Oh, really? Uh, that, you know, it was a hollow point uh, round, and obviously because it went straight through, they're like, no, a hollow point should do this. Well, you, you don't know what a hollow point's going to do. Like, right. um, And it was a nine millimeter, and every single one of us shot 40. 40 cows, yeah. So, yeah. I it, said, what do you do, shoot? Because the defense attorney was like, oh, it came from Brett Hanks on the guy who shot on the outside. I went. So he shot 10 rounds with his 40, put it away, got that secret nine he had hidden somewhere and shot me with it. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And people believed it. And obviously, this guy, this is the same attorney that said we were there to rob them. Yeah. The only reason we were there is to steal their money. I'm like, we were just in a briefing with 50 other people that knew exactly where we were going to be. <laughs> we were yeah. What a it's just, it's, it's stupid. Yeah. And didn't you get shot from obviously the, the bullet through went through the front of your thigh? Right, and you had you, you had no other police officers in front of you. No, no that was it. I was the lead. Oh, yeah, <laughs> physics, physics. Oh, <laughs> I'm not a physics major, he's but his mate yeah. popped turned around. And yeah, popping from shot in the corner. Yeah. So and he shot one. They were they recovered his casing and they found one projectile, which is the one that went through me. Yeah, from that gun. Yeah. So I mean, you know, where whereabouts did I can? Can you get get shot again? Yeah. Can you can. Can you pull your pants down and show oh. us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to see the scar? <laughs> Where did so I Here's a funny story to that. And this is just, we were at the beach uh, like two months ago. And and my wife and a bunch of people I didn't know that we went with her cousin. And she knew all these people from their from their Catholic school. Because she's a Catholic school teacher. Her cousin is. We happened to go down with them. And there's like six ladies sitting next to them. And my wife looks at me and goes, Hey, and she points to this one lady and says, she wants to see your scar. Well, I'm not bashful. I didn't care. So <laughs> I'll walk over and get like 
two feet from her face and I'm yanking my pants all the way up to my crotch <laughs> and showing her the scar. And she's like, Oh, you trim up. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm take care of myself. And uh, so then about 20 minutes later, I hear some talking and I realized I went up and stuck my junk in the wrong lady's face. She's not the one that has to see it. I'm like, man, you must have thought I was a weirdo just coming up yanking my stuff out in front of me. But, how, uh, how far up like is it? How far up is it near your goalies? He goes all the way up to the, the crease in the leg where you're. Oh, shit, you know, that high. Where your groin joins yeah, on. That's not where the shot The shot was probably uh, four inches down from my hip and yep. my thigh. But because they had to take eight or nine inches of that artery out, it went all the way up and then. Down past the wound. Yeah. So Thank obviously, uh, post shooting, you're in recovery for obviously a gunshot wound. And how long is that recovery? And then at what stage does all this um, start? Media hype, yeah. yeah, media hype. The so other shooting started happening, but more specifically yeah, so on your March. shoot. This was March. You didn't hear much about it. Uh, Aubrey was mid mid April. Yep. And then George was so May. By the end of, so then by by early May, we started to feel some pressure. Right. You could feel heating up. By mid-May, it was starting to get even bigger in Louisville. You could feel the the tension building, uh, and then then once Floyd happened, the end of May, it just that's when it just exploded. Yeah. And the very first night of riots in Louisville, we had seven people shot during those riots. Fuck. Um, so mostly peaceful though, mostly peaceful shots. Um, so the recovery wasn't bad. Um, the swelling in my hip and and growing area was worse than the shot area itself. I think that was from the tourniquet. Um, and I messed my knee up when I stepped off the curb. So the knee hurt, the knee took longer to recover than the, the actual gunshot area. I'm still numb down my leg. I don't have any feeling in it. Um, except I, I say I'm numb when you like dry with the towel, it feels like, uh, like a sunburn, like mm. a tingle sensation yep. kind of, yeah, right. and, uh, but other than that, you know, the knee's still a little bit jacked up, but other than that, I healed fairly quick within a couple of months. I could have gone back. Yeah. Uh, wanted to. You know, before it all blew up, the first thing I told my wife when I when I woke up in the hospital, I was like, man, I'm I'm going to rehab this quick. I'm going to go back. I'm going to first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go through the door. I said, because I ain't going to let it beat me. And obviously that, you know, unable to take place. Because even when I did finally return to work, um, the chief we have now uh, did an involuntary transfer on me, which is against our, our contract. But she did it for the good of the department. And she wanted to put me down in the basement in the, in the uh, property room. And, you know, I've been active my whole career. I don't want to go hide in the basement of the property room. So I knew then they were kind of gunning for me. So I just I put my papers in and I was out. Yeah. So um, in regards to the investigation, did, they, did you have to go to court and all that type of stuff and just get put under the ringer? Yeah, we've – so we've had several interviews. So our, our district attorney originally had the case. He, he recused himself. The attorney general of our state took over the case. Um, so we had interviews with them and they're, they're the ones that did a no true bill on us, which means they weren't going to charge us except for the one officer who shot through the windows. Um, and then now the, the DOJ is still, like I said, interviewing people. Um, I kind of told them to go pound sand when they want to interview me. And so they're, you know, they're, we're at odds anyway, me and the DOJ. So, um, because when let's see in May, at the end of May, early April, we started getting some some uh, intel about hits that were going to be put out on our families and some threats and death threats. So the end of May, they had had two different informants, one through the ATF and one through our narcotics, didn't know each other, came at different times, 
with the exact same story that the motorcycle club that Brianna Taylor's mom was high up in and she dated the vice president of it. That's known to do deal drugs and guns and they're very violent. They had gotten together with other black motorcycle clubs and they pulled their money together and they were going to do a hit. They put a $50,000 bounty on our hit. And so when the FBI got that, they corroborated it. And they said, Hey, you got to get out of your house. You, know, you got to find somewhere to go. So in the middle of the night on May 31st, we all got moved out of our houses, um, put in safe places. And 10 days later, the FBI shut the case down and they wouldn't allow their agents to investigate it because they said the optics look bad going after a national victim's mother who's black. Mm. And um, they lied to us about shutting it down. They wouldn't tell us, they wouldn't give us any information. Um, We requested it. We've done freedom of information acts. Uh, They've turned those down. So it's just been a real cluster, man. And, And the only thing we can, the only way we can relate it to be logical, Amy Hess was the highest ranking female official in the FBI. She was located in, in DC and she moved to Louisville in November of 19 to work for uh, our, our city government. She was our health and our safety uh, administrator. And when this all went down, she's really good friends with the, it's called the SAC, the special agent charge at the FBI in Louisville, the guy who ran yep. the Louisville branch. And they go to lunch together. They talk every day on the phone. Well, she's super liberal too. And obviously she came to work for, you know, Greg Fisher, our mayor. And we believe that she called him or talked to him and said, Hey, shut this investigation down. It's bad for your career. It's bad for my boss. Um, because they shut it down. They wouldn't give the agents on the ground that were running it. They wouldn't give them a reason why. They just said, we're not doing it. You're not allowed to do it. You're prohibited from doing it. And the agents were ticked off. Uh, but the the management, who are all political, you know, they shut it down from the top. And coincidentally enough, he was then promoted to her own job in D.C. Huh. It's one of those scratch my back, I scratch your deals. Yeah, right. So what happened to uh, Kenneth Walker? Did, did What does he get charged with? Obviously, he's trying to murder a police officer to start off with. Yeah, initially, initially, he got charged with that. And then um, – about a month after they, they dropped those charges, they said the evidence was inadequate um, as far as whether we, they, the state could prove that he actually heard us announce police, which it'd be tough. But, you know, you take into consideration what his mom said, that he called and said the police were at the door. You take into the, the fact all the different lies on the way mm, he said things exactly. went down. Um, like he threw his gun under a bed in another room after the first shot. If you think you're getting home invading, your girl just got killed. Why no. would you not hold on your pistol? Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah. So all these different things, <laughs> these factors, the stuff that was on his phone, all those things came into play and they said, ah, we don't have enough here. So they dismissed the charges on him. They dismissed what? the charges. So what's he doing now? He's just cruising around still, Louisville. Still just- gangbanging. Yeah, so he got about 350 grand on GoFundMe pages. Oh, get you're fucked. joking. So here's the funny thing. Fuck. My friend put up, I didn't want it, but my friend convinced me to put it. They put up a GoFundMe for me. It was up for four hours and GoFundMe shut it down. Get fucked. Fuck, they just pieces oh, of I'm shit never using, out I'm never using GoFundMe again. I mean, this again. is a bad Lifetime movie is what this is. Oh. It's one that you would hear it all and go, oh, there's no way all this is true. There's Holy no way. shit. So he, look, is, is this guy just cruising around Louisville just doing his it's thing funny now? enough, just- no, I think. Somebody said he moved to California. I don't know. Uh, I know the week he got out of jail, um, the guy who had an informant into him in our narcotics, mm. his informant FaceTimed him while he was standing there. He showed him a bag of dope, 
had a new gun with a laser on it, was pointing at the camera, talking all this crap. They were going to open a case on him. They're going to buy dope from him and charge him with that. You know, you're going to get the Al Capone. If you can't get him on one thing, you get him on something else. Yeah. And the orders came down from our department from the top that said, let him go. No investigations are allowed on him. Oh my fucking like God. Holy shit. It's, that oh, is corruption at its man. finest. That is corruption at its finest. And you wouldn't expect it, you know. <laughs> and we need to, and they say we need to, uh, uh, you know, do something to cops, that we're the bad guys. Yeah. It's all politicians. They're all, they're all just dirty. Paul, the politicians, were they black or what? White. Yeah, right. It's just. Well, I guess what we did have, our city council president is a black guy. Uh, he was a retired cop. He trained me in the academy. And I reached out to him during all this before it all blew up, before George Floyd. And I've got this in the book, too, all in text messages. And I said, David, man, here's all they're saying. And I named like seven or eight different things that were lies. I said, here's the truth. And I put it all out. I said, all this is documented. You can find it for yourself. It's all here. I said, can you please get on the news and put this out? Because our mayor's not doing it and I'm not allowed to. He's like, yeah, the mayor's a piece of crap. I'll put it out Monday. Well, then the next week, he's on some live TV show on the news talking about we were wrong. And so I'm like, oh, heck no. So I'm texting while he's live going, you're such a coward. You know, all this stuff. You said you were going to do this and that. And he was like, well, how am I supposed to say that I heard this information from you? It'll get you in trouble. You know, using me as his cop out Mm. because he wanted to run for mayor. And as a black guy, he didn't want to tick off the black community. And then we had our our public safety uh, director that's the in city council. She got on there on one of their lives because they were doing everything via Zoom because of COVID. And she got on there and said that that Kenneth Walker was a hero for shooting me because any respectable man would defend his castle. So that's what we're dealing with in Louisville. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to win anything here. You can't idolize someone sh- shooting at police officers. You yeah. Can't, it's, it's fucking wrong. It, then that just sets the pre- precedence for like the younger kids to go, oh, yeah, sweet. You know, if I shoot a copper, you know, I want to get a GoFundMe page. It's all, it's all going to be sweet. You know? Yeah. You can't fucking do that. One, one question I have for you. Tyler Perry gave him 100 grand. Tyler yeah. Perry claims he backs police. I'm yeah, going, well, what's, fucking hell. You know, who, who's that? Sorry. Top, let's just see a footy player, is he? Yeah. What's that? Who's uh, Tyler Perry? Yeah, Tyler Perry. Uh, uh, who, who is it? Oh, who is he? He's just a big uh, movie producer guy, or he runs movies. Oh, right. Medea. You heard the movie Medea? Yeah, yeah. Those are all Tyler Perry movies. Yeah. yeah. No, they're all good movies. Black based movies. on Atlanta. Yeah. One question Black I do Black. have for you, over your, um, you, you know, your 20 plus years in police, you know, how many police officers do you serve with, you know, shoulder to shoulder, a black guys, black police officers? We don't have a lot, but, you know, nationwide, the the black community is 13%. Yeah. Uh, Lowell's got a little bit higher population. I think we're 19 or 20%. Uh, our police department probably has 8% black, yeah. 9%. But the problem is, it's not that they don't allow them, they recruit them. They just don't want to do it. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, because the black guys, once they become cops, and I've got several good black cop friends that are great guys. That's what I mean. That's, that was my they, point. Like you've you're, you've ridiculed more this on those yeah. protests than white cops. Yeah, yeah we've called Uncle Tom's traitors. I mean, you name it. I've seen it. They're yeah, in words about white people. Yeah, and I'm I, going. Wait a minute. You're out here pro- protesting all this stuff, and you're being the biggest racist here. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I saw a video not long ago, a YouTube video. This white woman's yelling at a black police officer, just calling him all these profanities. I'm just really? like, really? What? Is it, oh, How is that normal? I gave up at that she point. Was right. Yeah. She's right. Yeah. So, John, yeah, for justice. obviously your name resonates through the black community throughout the US and maybe out of overseas as well. Um, 
at this time before you moved house, because they, well, you, you didn't move house for what, 10 days or so, 15 days, whatever it was. But you did. No, I've never been back. We had to sell our house. Oh, okay. So, we moved, is it interesting? Yeah, it's yeah, we moved down to yeah. the city. We're a couple hours out of Louisville now, and oh. we've never been back. I mean, we've been back to visit certain people and things, but we no longer live there. We we had to move out. We couldn't go back. The threats were just too much. Does anybody know your? Well, obviously, you know, like you know, know your name, but your face. Does anybody not the street or the service station or the gas station? Should I say? They were like, oh, you're, you're, oh, you're yeah. that cop. I run into them a lot of times. Just take it. A lot of times, people won't say anything. They'll just go. And they'll nudge the person or they'll get on their phone and oh. do one of those comparison things. Um, but what I've found is the supportive people will come talk to you. Yeah. But the people that talk the crap online, they're too big cowards to come to you in person. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. And the, you know, you have any black, black people come up and say like, it's not your fault or anything or they all. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've right. got black support. It's unreal. The people with logic that have listened to the story or they're open-minded, um, they they know what criminal activity is. They know who the thugs are. They know what's right and wrong. And but generally, those people are your hardworking, you know, middle class people who who don't want those people in their exactly. Their neighborhood. And that's the most of the people in the black neighborhood because I was I policed that m- most of my career. And the there's probably eighty percent of those people that are great people that are just stuck in that environment. They can't stand the twenty percent, but the twenty percent get all the attention and all the vo- voice and yeah. and all yeah, the money and all you know everything. Do you know what the funny thing is? If if um, the people in the house that day were, were white or Hispanic or Asian, no one would have given a fuck. <laughs> no. Let me give you the reason. This is how I know this to be a fact. My buddy was shot in the head two years prior to this. He's alive. He's got some – he had to take a medical retirement. But he was in the same unit I was in. They were doing a, uh, a controlled delivery on a, a box of meth. It had 10 pounds – I think 10 pounds in it. The, the meth got picked up, left the porch. It was in a truck with four white guys. They swooped the car. They, they, they trapped it in. They get out. They go up, guns drawn. The guy in the back seat comes up with a gun, shoots through the window. It goes, one goes through his jaw and out the back, and the other hits him in the head. Wow. He goes down. His partner steps up. Boom, boom. Shoots the two guys, two white guys in the back seat. One was armed. One wasn't. Killed both of them. It was on the news maybe one day. You've yeah. never heard anything about it. No. Nah. So you guys so shot him. An unarmed, unarmed suspect who didn't shoot gets killed. Nothing. That's yeah. it. You guys shot an unarmed person and now everyone's like, eh, oh, well, you know, he's there with someone yeah. else who's doing the bad, bad thing. But if they were, they were some, someone of color, he'd be like, oh, you shot an unarmed black person. You guys are fucking right. murderers. You know, it's holy yeah, fuck. It's, it's crazy. What a, what a world we live in. Um, you know, again, I feel sorry for the police because you guys go through so much shit that no one sees. Especially these guys now. I don't, you know, oh. I love it. I wouldn't trade a thing I did, but I wouldn't start over now. There's yeah. no way. No way. Yeah. So let's uh, let's touch on your book, uh, 12 Seconds in the Dark. And obviously that 12 seconds is dark is that time from where you get shot to, you know, the or pretty much that whole scenario. That's how long the scenario basically went for. That's it. Man, from the time that door, from the time I stepped in and saw that gun until the time I was in the parking lot already getting treatment and, and it was dead silence. So I went from chaos to silence in 12 seconds, and that totally changed my life. The guys with me uh, turned our city upside down, turned part of the country upside down because they attached her name, you know, with George Floyd. So, yeah, that 12 seconds just shows you that 12 seconds with all the underlying lies and stuff after that, the damage it can do that, that you know, you just you think is unfathomable. Yeah, and so this book basically just, you know, extends on everything you've just told us now, the whole, you know, your whole life plus that story. 
to right. the yeah. gives that and it gives the aftermath and gives some of my thoughts on what I hope that we can do to kind of bridge the gap and you know hopefully we can make it better because none of us want to be or especially we don't want our kids raised in this society no, that, no. That where there's lawlessness and the criminals the good guy and the cops are the bad guy they're bad cops sure there are but you know as long as we can weed those guys out and get rid of them you know you've got to have somebody that's going to toe that line and hold law and order or these guys become like animals and, and it's going to be survival of the fittest. Yeah. But the problem is, problem is the good guys can't fight back in that survival of the fittest or they get put in jail and the bad guys get let go. Yeah. Like, you know, far out. Like if it goes on the trajectory, uh, you know, of what, uh, you know, what it is going now with the whole political correctness, you know, the U S is going to turn into a, you know, it'd be like Syria in the next 10 years. It'd be just a yeah. lawless yeah. land where everyone's just shooting and killing each other and, it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. We're wrong, buddy. We're wrong. We hit our peak, and now we're going to fall. Just yeah. before we um, get talking about your book, do you still fear for your life today? Depends on where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I moved to is pretty rural and uh, pretty supportive, so I don't really have any fear here. When we go back into the city, I personally don't have fear. I don't say I welcome it, but I don't shy from it because I'm like, if you want to bring it on, bring it on, as long as my kids aren't with me or my yeah, wife. exactly. Um, because like I've told everybody, you know, 20 years in law enforcement, you get so callous to things. You get used to people saying stuff, threatening you, fighting, whatever. But your family's not used to that. No. They don't know how to defend themselves. Exactly. You know, emotionally, when they hear those threats or when people come at them, you know, they freak out, understandably, because they've never dealt with it. Um, and so as long as my, my kids aren't defenseless or my grandkids, you know, I, I don't fear a lot and I don't want to live my life in fear. That's why I'm out here talking. Yeah. That's why I put the book out because I think guys who live in fear, they're the ones that suffer. And so I, it's just not the way I want to live my life. Yeah. And you know, obviously you putting a book out and sharing your story, it, it helps. Uh, it does help current officers to go, you know what I, I'm actually doing. If they get involved in an incident, they're like, no, I, I did the right thing. It was a good shoot. Right. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. doing the right thing. Instead of cowering away and going in your shell, Stand there and fight back. I mean, because, you know, we've trained to be, we've been trained to fight back in every other scenario, but this one, this one, we're supposed to tuck our tail and go away. Yeah. And I just refuse to do it. Yeah. Good on now. So, with the book, uh, 12 Seconds in Dark, a police officer's first hand account of uh, Bjorna Taylor raid, they can get that on uh, Amazon. Do you have a website or anything? You've got a website too. Uh, yep. SgtMattingly.com and all my handles on, on YouTube or on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that are just SgtMattingly. Um, so, and, and yeah, anywhere you buy books, Barnes and Noble and Books a Million have them in store. Or I don't even know if y'all have them there. Um, but anywhere online that you can buy books, you can get it. Yeah, Target, cool. Walmart, Amazon, anything. Yeah, we'll definitely get one um, through your website uh, if you can well, sign up for us. Because we, we've we'll got a, a little collection. Yeah, we've every oh, guest we get on that has a book, we yeah. get them. Yeah, we get them sent after in. After this, after this, just send me a message with an address. I'll send you one. No, no we're going to pay for it, mate. We're, we're paying for it. We're paying for it. Um. Mate, for our guests, we've been chatting for a good hour and 20 minutes and it's just, well, like I've, we haven't experienced anything it's like this cool. before. And again, this is one of those uh, incidences that we, you know, it, it went throughout the world at that right. stage. Because this and was the start of it. This was the start of it. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah, essentially the start of uh, everything that's happened. For our guests, we've got two final questions. Uh, one of those questions is, you know, what advice can you give to people just to keep on keeping on? You know, you you were pushed down in the mud. You were thrown, you know, thrown all this adversity. You know, what did you do or, you know, what advice can you give to people to just get above it, fight back? Well, I think the huge thing for me, you know, my foundation's in faith. 
And I don't care what religion you are, as long as you have something to, to, to fall back on that gives you that, that, that driving force or that, that comfort, knowing that everything in the end is going to be okay, no matter what, whether it turns out the way we want it to or not. Um, because if we don't have some kind of moral compass or something we're leaning on, then, then nothing matters. Mm. And that's why we see the chaos in the world, I think, we see today, because people don't believe in anything. And if you don't, then you are your God and, and you create your own rules, and then we have chaos. So I think that was my big thing. Uh, I depended on, I've got a good, strong family. So we were able to lean on each other a lot. Um, but those two things together really just got me through it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, last and also the second part of this question, um, what's planned for the future? Obviously you're retired now from the blue. Yep. I'm done with that. Um, hunting. Uh, what, what do you do to keep, keep busy? You got out shooting, got your hunting. So, no, I, I don't do a lot of that yet. Um, huh. For the simple fact, I've been traveling around, uh, speaking to different organizations, uh, telling the story, getting the, getting the word out. Um, and while I don't have the financial funds or, or resources to help everybody, what I've been able to do is connect with a lot of different organizations. So when someone comes to me, and I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of cops reach out to have been screwed by their apartments in the city. And what I can do is I can say, I understand. You know, I feel your pain. I know what you're going through. I personally can't do anything. But here's the person I can connect you with to talk to that can, whether it be legal advice, whether it be helping their family financially, you know, no matter what it is, because these guys are getting just totally, you know, obliterated by their departments. Because when this happens, you're put on an island, you're put mm-hmm. out there. There's nobody that, that helps you through it. They don't want to talk to you. They want to act like you don't exist, like you were never part of them. And that's overwhelming, especially if you don't have uh, like, fortunately, I had 20 years of experience. So I had a lot of connections that I could reach out to and go. Hey, what's going on here? Hey, can you give me some insight? People would help me. But if I was a two or three year guy and this happened to me, I don't know what I would have done because yeah. there's no guidebook for this. There's no playbook. So we're trying to get something together, put together uh, kind of like a checklist to go, hey, you know, scrub your information from the Internet, put your stuff in a trust. All these different things you can do that can kind of help protect you and put a little barrier uh, around you before these things happen. And uh, so that's what we're doing. We're getting the word out that way, just trying to help people. Interesting. I'll yeah. That's um yeah that's cool that's that's a good way of doing things, um mate I had one question but I've just forgotten about Biden it was about Biden uh, is he not, circumcised not, not, <laughs> John do you reckon he is is he what circumcised Biden Biden yeah um, <laughs> I'm gonna say no, I'm gonna say I'm no, no I'm going no. anteater yeah, <laughs> yeah he has a foreskin in regards to the administrations was there a big change obviously. When the shooting happened, it was the whole uh, – the administrations were changing. So right. was there a big – That's what we saw. Yes, 100%. And that's and it's factual. Uh, so my attorneys, when they were dealing with the Trump DOJ, the Trump DOJ said, look, we're going to stick to what happened that night, what happened in that event, and that's it. It's a very narrow, focused investigation. Well, we knew because the election was coming, everything was kind of put on hold because all the – the, the U.S. attorneys are scared to act when there's getting ready to be a change of power. Yeah. Because if they do something that the new AG comes in and doesn't like or the new DOJ doesn't like, lose that job. they get out and a new guy comes in. Mm. So they all put the brakes on them and refuse to do anything. They just kind of let it stagnate until the new administration came in. When that administration came in, they reached out to my attorneys and was like, this is no longer a narrow focused investigation. It's going to be very broad. It's going to take a while. And we're looking for anything. We're going to turn over every stone and see what we can find. So that's what it's become. And I'll tell you what, when Obama was president, 
that's when when all these things started changing as far as uh, lack of respect for police, um, the yeah. assaults on police increased. All that started happening in his second term. I didn't see much in his first term, but you could you could see the difference on the street in his second term uh, when all this stuff happened. When Trump got back in office, everything kind of back kind of went back to normal. Never got all the way back, but it kind of went back to normal. And now things are just totally out of control. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, we, we we can see it on our end, and yeah. I don't know what Joe's doing right now. He's probably sleeping. I think uh, Trump's <laughs> Trump's pretty pretty good to be to come back in, isn't he? He's he's, he's doing all right. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. He says some dumb stuff. He I just does. Wish he'd stick to the script and then just you know do what the American people want and not not the extras. Yeah, who's the personal. who's the who's the mayor from Florida? Isn't that's the one is he can he's he's, he's pretty he would be great yeah. and i think he would win in a landslide um yeah. but i think trump's ego and i don't dislike trump if trump runs i'll vote for him if he's the one um but i think trump's ego is going to make him want to run again so he can end on top and so desantis can't run against him or it bucks the system and then yeah. you just put the vote you're gonna do all kinds of weird stuff so i think desantis will wait till the next term is my Unless Trump decides at the last minute not to run, I think DeSantis will wait till 2028. Yeah. I think you're right, though, because Trump's ego is huge, and I think he, he would oh, yeah. be like, fuck, yeah, we're in again. Yeah. You know, like being, being yeah. a Trump supporter, um, I, would, I would love it. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be back on Twitter soon, too. Yeah. Thanks, to, thanks to Elon. Yeah. Which, yeah. We're gonna Which see we might it. need that big ego to check people like Russia and China again. Oh, get fully. Go, hey, boys, well, he did. step back, that's, I'm going to punch you right in the mouth. That's, the, that, that's exactly right, you know. He, he did it to Iran when they, they bombed an embassy. Well, Kim Jong, yeah. he was yeah. calling him little rocket man. Rocket man. And then they become best mates. Like it was just super, super weird. Anyway, mate, um, mate, I'll be in uh, Louisville. 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 Um, I'll be there within the next month or so. I'll be there. We've got a show. So a live entertainment show. Motorbikes. Magic Mike. Magic Mike. I mean, sorry. (laughs) Magic Mike. My shirt will be off. (laughs) Mate, thank you for giving us your time and uh, sharing your story. Have Have you done an Australian podcast before? Never. There you it's go. Virgin. Out of country. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome because we wanted to share this story just because it's just one of those stories that just, again, it reached the world. Yeah. And, and it still is. It's still, you know, still out there. So, again, thanks for your time and uh, good luck for the future, mate. Thanks, guys. I Cheers, John. Thanks, buddy. Too easy. Hi. Right. Yeah. Shane, how about that story from uh, John? Big, big John. He's um, imagine going to work. Doing your job, and for the rest of your life, you're gonna get just ridiculed. Yeah, you're get smashed for doing something that was correct at the time, which is absolutely crazy. Because John is just such a humble, was cool. nice, you know, Christian faith human being. I noticed that because obviously, if you listen to our podcast before, we do swear a lot, and I didn't hear John swear. No, once. no, <laughs> he did, he did not curse once. And even Matt and I yeah. kept it kept it toned as well. Yeah, so. I think I don't know. Um, Except asking if he's just a, just a, you know he's he's the type of cop you want cruising around your streets, yeah, he's cool, looking after the streets. Um, but and the fact that he served nineteen years prior to this as well. Well, that's it. Like it's an extensive career. He said he did well over two thousand door knocks, just like the Jehovah Witness. <laughs> <laughs> Except um, he, you know, they shot back. Uh, so he, he was very experienced. Like, let's let's not discount his experience as a police officer. Yeah, he's, he's been through a lot of fucking yeah. shit, a lot of shit. And 
What a crazy story because it is Friday the 13th today here in Australia. Of this recording, yeah, it is. Um, of this recording, yep. And which this probably won't go out from a couple of weeks. I know you're hearing this now, so it is out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the incident did happen on Friday the 13th, 2020, so it was only two years ago. Yeah, and that's when the COVID was full spike. In the that's when COVID was in full swing. Yeah. And they had the multiple uh, police shootings within like a three-month span. So it was Breonna Taylor, uh, Armoured Albury, mm. and then the big one which tipped it over the edge was uh, George Floyd. And then that's when the protests just went nuts. Not even here, uh, not just in the US, around the fucking world went yeah. just mental. Even here in bloody humble old Newcastle. Yeah, Australia copped it and uh, I still don't understand any of it. Um I understand there are a lot of police out there. I wouldn't say a lot of police, but there'll be that one bad egg that is just Oh, there always is. You know, the guy that uh you know killed George Floyd and he was the ba- one of those bad yeah. eggs. He oh, oh, oh actually I'm not gonna judge him. I don't know if he was a bad egg. You know, what he did was wrong. the way he did it, the way he, you know, like had his think, knee. I like to think about when we're bouncing and like the heat of the moment. Exactly. He is firing away. The, the, the heat of the moment, so I'm not going to judge him as he's. I'm not, not going to stick up for him either. No, exactly. I'm not gonna, definitely like, not going to stick up for him. It's it, like, fuck. You this know? is, um, yeah. Anyway, that we got off track a little bit. Back to John. So John's story, like as he's talked about, he, you know, he was, they did the, the door knock. They did the full door knock. It yeah. was like police search yeah. warrant, police search. As they're going through the door, same thing, police search warrant. You know, it's just seen on the TV and the movies. Yeah, yeah. Or live PD. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be cool to see the uh, body cam from John if they did. I don't think cam. they had body cam for the incident. They said they had body cam uh, for after when the, I think. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, which, well, fuck, we should have asked. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there was yeah. something. Because I think they applied for a no knock. Uh, uh, what are they? I forget what he said. Yeah, but then he, because he knew there was a a, a knock and an acceptance, and well, they called it. And yeah, then, and he had to take like a photo. He's like, oh, just make sure. Yeah. So yeah, so um, it was approved as a no knock, but they did end up just going. You know what? We're gonna mm. do, 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 hello, anyone here? Type thing. It's and um, then I made up on the roof. And the, the next, next like, level's what, like, the, what, what you Yo, get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> what y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> what and, you talking about, Wilson? And they're like, get the fuck back inside. Yeah, get him back inside. They kick the bust the door down, breach. John's standing in the, in the hallway, sees the two figures there. And obviously at that stage, there's a pistol pointing down back yeah. at him. Old mate pulls the trigger, whacks uh, John on the leg. John falls back, a couple of rounds off, and one of those rounds did hit uh, Brianna. Uh, at that stage, John's, you know, uh, retreating crawling back out, out yeah, there, crawling yeah. back outside the – he knows straight away that he's been shot in the uh, femoral uh, artery. Because of the blood's piercing. Because of the blood's pissing yeah. out. And, you know, over his 19 years, 20 years of service, he's yeah. seen a few gunshots here and there. Especially his mate that got shot in the head and killed. And no, he survived the other one. Another one, yeah. He got shot in the, the head. Just, I think it was two. He said yeah. one got shot One, one got killed, yeah. yeah. One got Fucking killed. Crazy. So he's seen a lot of trauma and he knew at that stage they needed tourniquet, otherwise it was going to bleed out. Mm. Um, and the rest of the cops went in, did their thing, and st- still with it that time, they I think the cops come back outside and SWAT turned up and 16 minutes of yeah. just uh, – I, f- I found it quite funny how the bloke inside caught up his mum and caught up 911. Like, what the fuck? It, what? Yeah, I don't know. What? I don't know. It's just – Just a dumb motherfucker. Yeah. And fuck – he gets away with it. 
<laughs> shot a police officer. Plus 300 grand from, from GoFundMe. Oh, my God. <laughs> talk, talk about fuckwits. Like, I just, I, it, it, how, I'm, I'm fucking, baffled. Like, I just don't. the court system over there? Not even that. Like, he, he said, even if he was convicted, he probably only would have got eight, uh, eight years, maybe. If you murder someone, you get eight years in, in Kentucky. Far out, you know, and drugs like because we all seen cops and like we know from like watching yeah. just what reading and shit. they just get away with it. Like, Fuck. I'm sure that's state by state. I'm sure if you're in, it like, does every yeah. sta- every state's but different. Still, that's fucking low. Every state's different, but <laughs> here in Australia, you get 20 years for probably two, nah, two kilos Australia, of coke. No, for like you, drugs. Oh, yeah, for drugs. For drugs, it's like almost a life sentence. But yeah, and then you had an old mate that punched that guy down in Sydney, and he got like four or five years. What did you bloody coward punch him? Yeah, coward punch and killed him. Yeah, how Dead. long was that? Oh. Years ago, now oh, yeah, okay. in King's Cross, oh, yeah, but he yeah. only got four or five years. That's, that's crazy. Where, where, like, fuck, I, I sometimes I just don't understand how the world works, yeah. like, honestly. And then, you know, it's, it's fucking backwards, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, we're off topic now, we're definitely off topic. Uh, but John's topic. story is just absolutely incredible, and you can obviously he is on a few more podcasts. We were his, yeah. yeah, we were his first Australian podcast, which is super cool, yep. and we love sharing these type of stories because. Again, we did see this all over the media back in the day, you know, only two years ago. I want to say back in the day, two years ago, during the height of uh, the China virus. COVID war era. China. 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 So his book's named 12 Seconds in the Dark, and I like to think that sums up my sex life quite well, Matty. So. <laughs> uh, we're, we're done. Yeah. So the book is, uh, is appropriately named of the time when they breached, he got shot, and he got crawled back out. So Yeah, um, 12 Seconds in the Dark, a police officer's first-hand account of the Breonna Taylor raid. Uh, you can find that on uh, Amazon. Otherwise, you can head to his uh his Instagram's a Sergeant Manley, SGT, SGT. Yep. You can head to his website. Let me just quickly. In the meantime, I'll sing you a song. Sing me a song. The, piano, the piano, man. man. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it, yeah, it's, he, he's, he's in a hard position. I said that to him before. Like, if, if it was a white, Hispanic, a yellow, purple person, no one would have given a flying fuck. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, I guess it's not even about color. It's just what the agenda is. Of that week. Yeah, and it's it literally, the, I think it pisses me off like we just spoke about there, and it's like nothing happened to him. He didn't even go, he didn't even get the bloody charge. Uh, Shane, so yeah, his website is sergeantmattingly.com, so S-G-T, Mattingly, M-A-T-T-I-N-G-L-Y.com, mm-hmm. and you can find his book on there and all his other engagements. He does, he does a lot of keynote speaking. Yeah. And uh, tells his story, obviously, especially you know being shot as well. So he's got the he's got the experience of being shot. Uh, yeah, so head to his website. You can find his book, and uh, actually, it is under construction at the moment. It's getting rebuilt, I guess. You can find all his stuff um, for his. He's on Twitter. Yeah, he's on Twitter, the Gram, Facebook, all uh, SGT Mattingly as well. Yeah, SGT Mattingly, and reach out to him and. Yeah, you know? if you have any questions or if you want to want to grab a book, a signed copy even. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get one. For our podcast, you can head to our social media, Instagram, Facebook, zero.limits.podcasts. Otherwise, head to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, right, right. Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, the other ones. No, I'm very near. Um, podcast Addict. Podcast addict. Yeah, I'm not uh, a drug addict. Yeah, it's and there was another one I saw that we're on. I was like, "What the fuck?" I, I think like Podbean and all that type of stuff. But yeah, just 
jump on Google, search it, listen jump to it. Jump on your favourite podcast streaming service. Yeah, which is generally Spotify or Apple. Apple? Yeah, Apple. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you for leave listening. Us, yeah, leave us a review as well Yeah, if you could. And if you hate it, tell us. And if you hate it, don't listen. <laughs> eh. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. See you. Meow. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise, and just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is – forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.